Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 248 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm a little sleep deprived, not because I was sick last week, but like I'm seriously playing way too much Grand Theft Auto with Todd. Yes. <laughs> it, it's getting bad. Like I, I, I probably like I sneak on there by myself, like in the middle of the night, just to play. Like I'm like, all right, Todd's asleep. I'm gonna go on and try to try to get ahead of him because like I spend my money way too quickly, and he hoards it. And uh, so we have very different playing styles. But so I have to make time to play with him, and then I have to have my own me time on there. Now, didn't he say on an episode of uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark that you were making him spend his money for your little group so that you could save up for your flying uh, DeLorean or whatever? Yeah, I mean, well, in order to play certain missions, you have to buy properties. And because I was saving up for the flying DeLorean, I didn't want to spend any of my money. So I have to really twist his arm to get him to to spend money to buy something. And I have to like, like sell it to him. Like, come on, Todd, buy the casino apartment. We'll get missions out of it. And uh, like, I don't know why he's saving his money. I don't know if he thinks he could take it with him or something like that. I'm like, the whole point of playing the game is to make money. And I just want a DeLorean. And once I got the DeLorean, I had to make it so it shot missiles, Joe. But you just said that he's been saving his money and you've been well, spending your money. Well, that's what I'm, I'm saying. He is. It's very difficult to get him to spend his money. Uh. But I, I was saving my money to buy the DeLorean. I Now I have it. And I finished last night with like 12 bucks in my pocket. Is he maybe saving up for the DeLorean as well? So you guys have matching flying cars? He has been copying a lot of the stuff that I do, but no, he's uh, he's like uh, his car of choice is a car that's armored so that nobody will attack him. He's sounds a safe like, little boy. He likes to stay on the ground. It sounds like a very complicated game. Oh, it is like I don't want I'm sure people who've played it are laughing at me, but like be like, all right, first of all, this was like five years ago's fad and like you're now just starting to play it. But for someone who's never played online anything. Uh, there's a huge learning curve for me, and plus it also sucks that while it is nice to play with Todd, uh, the majority of the missions require four players, and our attempts to like strong arm people into joining our posse have fallen uh, fallen flat so far. Mm. So I need. I think if anybody wants to join our group, I will have Todd send you an autographed eight by ten as payment. Gotcha. But yeah, we could really use a fourth or a third and a fourth. Now you, um, we also had, um, you know, enough of your personal life. I haven't done anything. I'm just getting ready, th- ready for everything uh, this weekend for myself. But, um, the Patreon episode went up on Monday. Yeah, I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to it or otherwise. Or I did. I, I listened to it the the day before. I have the perks of having the uh, the account access. Oh, that's right. That's right. Of course. But yeah, no, it was a very interesting episode. About half the stuff went over my head, which is to be expected for any kind of wrestling podcast. True. But I enjoyed the stuff that I heard, especially you explaining Mantis, uh, the worker's handshake to him. And he's a kayfabe and son of a bitch, as mentioned, because um, he's. He still gives that handshake. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't didn't he uh, 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 insinuate that OC gives that handshake? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Mantis insinuated that he doesn't. He, as in Mantis, doesn't give the worker handshake anymore. He was kind of taken back that you would mm-hmm. insinuate that he did. But he did say that OC is the last true worker handshake that he knows. Mm-hmm. He's full of shit. He is. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, go check that out. Uh, you know, there's the preview there. I think it's like you can get like five minutes. Or I, I, I think I told you like a specific timestamp or clip or something. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, the actual the first five minutes of the podcast is what's free because okay. right off the rip, right after you introduce them, you start talking about uh, the fallout from LVAC. Oh, OK. Yeah. So yeah. that was at the very beginning. So you get the first five minutes. Check that out. Uh, it just happened to work out nicely that it was on a little bit of a teaser for uh, for like the next part of the conversation. But, you know, obviously sign up for the Patreon. Five dollars a month gets you that gets you the conversations with Joe, with uh, Ian Vaflor, Derek Sabato next month, Ed Cody. You right. know? So all uh, the get- Chikara legends. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it just so happened that it beat Chikara people this time around, you know, and. I, I had Ed uh, packed up uh, for a while, and as we record this, is enjoying his twice concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm I'm sure we'll be hearing from Ed later on in the show. Yeah, if twice was performing across the street for me, and admission was free, I wouldn't go. But more power to you, Ed. Right. Listen, he listen. We all like what we like, you know. Exactly. Uh, so let's get on to our show. Let's do it. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so not on my list, but I'll just give it a mention. Uh, this Day in Wrestling History one year ago was the last AEW Blood and Guts where it was the proto-Blackpool Combat Club and Eddie Kingston against the Jericho Appreciation Society. Okay. Um, That was... One of the 2.0 guys was hanging, like, bleeding to death from outside the cage, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember their new names, Daddy Magic or... A cool hand Angelo Parker, how dare you? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, sick comb. Uh, and he got a new one. He got another new one from Jericho. I saw. Uh, it's like bedazzled. Jericho's yeah, such a I, nice guy. Exactly. Um, also, on this day in wrestling history, um, if I do my Gazintas seven years ago, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment held their Money in the Bank pay-per-view from the TD Bank Arena in Boston, Massachusetts, which is where the next Blood and Guts is going to be. Okay. Um Again, it's a weird time in World Wrestling Entertainment. Lots of recognizable names. Um, you know, it was Usos versus Eric Rowan and Luke Harper um, for the tag titles to open the show. Uh, there was two Money in the Bank ladder matches. One was for the suitcase, and then the other one was for the vacant title. I have no idea why the title was vacant at this time. No idea. And that was nine years ago, I think he said. Nine six. years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I said seven. Yeah, yeah, my math is off. Like I said, I did, I'm wearing socks today, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it's just like a period of WWE that I was definitely watching, but I don't remember as well as I should, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can't be the one to judge this based on because obviously I don't remember much from any period, but this is definitely uh, just a big blank spot in my memory, you know? Yeah. 
I don't know how anybody like Tim and Marcus can be like, what was the pay-per-view where Roman beat Orton? I'm like, oh, that was over the edge, you know, 2015. I don't know. But like, I can't imagine having that kind of knowledge of this, especially this era. Right. Post 2003 WWE stuff, like my memory just gets so spotty. Yeah. But hey, Adam Rose was on there. How about that? Mm. Mm -hmm. Remember him? (laughs) Yeah. Remember Curtis Axel? Remember Ryback? See uh, Alberto Del Rio's on yeah. there. All, all all the all the stars. Yeah. <laughs> um. But on this day in wrestling history, we have, of course, our 25 years ago head to head Monday Nitro versus Monday Night Raw. Uh, both shows are live. Nitro, uh, very interesting show. Uh, so. Uh, no clips, right? Mm-hmm. We get the... So this is a very weird... And we'll get to it when we get to Raw as well. But on this episode of Nitro, for a company that is doing a three-hour show, a, f- a, a three-hour show in Nitro, a two-hour show in Thunder, and a two-hour show in Saturday Night, and they're overflowing with talent, there is no less than one, two, three four, five, six new debuting talents on this show, right? Mm-hmm. One of them is Vampiro. Vampiro debuts here and then is not seen again for like another six months. Oh, those are a glorious six months then. Right. <laughs> so then Ultimo Dragon has a bunch of his students show up on show up here as well. Uh, Dragon Kid, who wrestled under the name Little Dragon, uh, Judo Suwa, Sumo Fuji, Magnum Tokyo, and Shima, who would go on to start Dragon Gate and go on to do Strong Hearts, which were those like Chinese acrobat guys that were supposed to be part of the early days of AEW. Okay. But of all these guys that debut, the only one who ends up sticking is Magnum Tokyo when they put him with Alex Wright and Disco Inferno. Yeah, I don't have a memory of that either. Right. Uh, They were the dancing fools. (laughs) A million dollar idea. How's that escaping my memory? I don't know. Yes. Uh, So we're getting closer to uh, Bash of the Beach pay-per-view. Hogan and Rodman taking on DDP and Carl Malone. Carl uh, Malone makes his in-ring Nitro debut, and they announce on this show that the co-main event for Nitro is going to be another tag team match of the Giant and Kurt Henning taking on Goldberg and Kevin Green. Okay. The tandem that I said, if they paired these two up, they would have won the war. <laughs> well, they, see, they paired them up and they didn't win. So your theory is wrong. No, no, no. So they okay. So the, and again, I key phrasing here. They didn't pair them up. They announced that they were going to be a tag team match at the upcoming pay per view. But Adam, even today, twenty five years ago, a lot can change between a match getting announced for a pay per view and that pay per view happening. I fail to believe that WCW would ever announce anything and not follow through with it. What kind of what kind of things are you accusing them of? Um, hot shotting and burning money. Speaking of burning money, where's Jericho? Jericho um, is not on any of these shows right now. He's like 
He's he's the cruiserweight champion, but he's like in a weird program, like where he's just interfering in Dean Malenko matches and not doing promos. That's why they lost the war right there. Yes. Complete bullshit. You have three hours and you can't fucking put Jericho in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, he's in there. He's doing interference. He's just not cutting promos or doing anything interesting. You know. Well, the that doesn't count. Uh, so over on Raw, it's the night after King of the Ring, and again we don't record on Wednesdays, but uh, you know that was Mick Foley versus Undertaker Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> um, arguably one of the top five most memorable moments of the last twenty five years in all of professional wrestling. Yeah, I thought you were gonna be like, oh, and highlights of no. this match were shown on Raw. So here's we're gonna talk about it. Highlights were shown. Well, no, this was back in the day where the night after on the uh, the night after on Raw and Nitro, um, they wouldn't show clips. They would only show stills. Yeah, I gotta encourage that replay, brother. Gotta get the replay right. But also on that pay per view, Kane defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin in a first blood Hell in a Cell match. Uh, they do the rematch here on Raw, and Austin wins the belt back. At the time, I was upset about that. Yeah. I was, like, uh, now I could give two shits about Kane, but back then, I was like, give the guy a run. Uh-huh. I was starting to get Austin fatigue. Uh, Val Venus, um, mo- one of the most hated uh, people in today's world, uh, not even professional wrestling, just a hated person. Um, go listen to the stink sheet for uh, their Val Venus segment. Yeah, play the spotlight for Val on Val Venus music, Joe. Come on, I need to have that music loaded up for next. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have Kurt send it to me. <laughs> uh, but as he's coming out to take on Dick Togo, he notices a young lady in the crowd that he makes eyes at. I wonder where this is going. Hmm. 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 Um, so also uh, on this day, we get another debut. Now, Adam, I'm not gonna play the whole thing of this, but I'm gonna blow this up. Okay. Okay. Um, again, you might have read the notes, but I don't know if you read the notes. Um, I actually saw this video earlier today. Oh, damn it! Okay, because yeah. I want you to—I want you to listen to this hype up of this person. Okay. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Electricity herself, <laughs> Vince McMahon, the owner of the World Wrestling Federation, is pleased and proud to announce the signing to an exclusive WWF contract. One of the greatest wrestling stars in the world, Stephen Regal! Well, Sable doing Mr. McMahon's bidding for him, and here comes Stephen Regal! So obviously like that's not his actual music. That's what I was going to say. Because it's like generic southern rocker music. A man who has wrestled in 24 countries, right. won over 60 titles worldwide... So Regal comes out as Lord Steven Regal, right? Mm-hmm. Just straight up Steven Regal. And this would be his only match at this point as real Steven Regal. They take him off TV and then they do all the real man's man's vignettes, which we will be playing as they come up. Excellent. And then I don't think he comes back to TV until September. Okay. So, like, he's another one. Like, 
similar to Vampiro, where like Vampiro is someone that ends up being a big player in WCW on this day, 25 years ago. He debuts on Nitro and then he's like off TV for six months. Regal, who ends up being a big player in the world of professional wrestling, debuts on WWF Raw on this day and then just isn't seen on TV for like another three months. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I saw on Twitter that like Regal just started to have like his big problems like right around his debut, and that's why he was pulled. Well, okay, uh, yes and no. Um, you know, if you read Regal's book, even in the talent meeting that he had with Vince that he got hired, he was so fucked up on like pills and booze, he passed out in the meeting with Vince McMahon. Mm. But having Jr. Austin and Foley all pulling for you, it still got him hired, but it was just like, he debuts, they're like, okay, he needs to go to rehab because he's fucked up, and like, what could we do with him to bring him back with a fresh coat of paint, you know? Yeah. Man, I want a man's man, uh, what, William Regal figure, like, in the worst way. A thousand percent. I would buy a real man's (laughs) man, uh, Regal. (laughs) When did he change to William? Was it because, like, and I, I know the story is because, like, Vince said you can't have two people named Steve. Yeah. But, like, how long into the run before they made the switch? Do you remember? So he, you have to bear in mind, he is only on TV as a real man's man, Steven Regal, for maybe four months. And then he's off again. He goes back to WCW in, like, early 99. He gets fired again, comes back to WF, and they send him to developmental, and then he's on TV at the beginning of 2001, and it's at the beginning of 2001 when he re-debuts there, because you remember, Regal was a big part of, like, the Alliance mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so in 2001, when he re-debuts is when he's William Steven Regal, and then just immediately to William Regal. Okay. I'm surprised he's stuck with that. Well, well listen, you, you do what you're told when uh, you're Vince's lapdog or Triple H's <laughs> lapdog or whatever, right? Yeah, but I mean, wasn't he William Regal in AEW? Yeah, and again, I think it was just one of those things where, like, that was the name he was known by. You know, okay. he should, I, I'm surprised he didn't go back to Steven Regal, you know? Yeah. Okay. So we get another debut on this episode of uh, Monday Night Raw. Less of a debut, but a return, let's say. Now, Sonny had been previously managing LOD 2000. I thought he was something, but there he is. One of the most intelligent, one of the most cerebral managers in the history of the game. The guy that put the LOD together. The man that led led the LOD to title after title in every federation. Yeah, I think I said I'm at the X game. They should have made him wear the oh, same Ellering's outfit that back. Sonny would wear. <laughs> has been on the sidelines a long time. Let's take a look at the best thing to come to Cleveland and the best thing to happen to Cleveland. That's a low bar. Gilbert Bell. Oh. He's a stinking loser. Now Paul Ellering, he did it all for us. He got us to the top. And you know, time's been tough for the LOD. But we're reborn with Paul. Not only is he our greatest friend, he's our mentor. And I know, Paul, you're happy to be with us again 
and I know you've got something to say. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's DOA. Well, the rivals of the Legion of Doom stole an eight ball of DOA, riding those Titan bots down to the ring. Again, we're just moments away from Stone Cold and Kane's WWF title war. But we may have a tag team war right here, King. We can't seem to get one ceremony going tonight without some sort of interruption. I want to introduce you to my new team, 8-Ball and Skull! Oh, God damn it. Oh, it was a setup. Ronald and Donald up, Harris back with Hall of Famers. They were like sons to it. What the heck? Good God! I so, can't imagine Ellering stuck around long, did he? Oh, I think he makes it to the to like September. It's like, like maybe three months, maybe less. Um, as, as much as like people like our age reminisce about like or just remember paul ellering he's never around for very long like back with rocco uh, for that wrestlemania where hawk was annihilated yeah uh like there was that run there was this run here him with the authors of pain he doesn't stick around very long no he he the 92 run he's there from mania to SummerSlam, so that's like five months this yep. he's here less than three um and then you know the authors of pain run like you mentioned yeah and like that's just his wwf stints but you know you talk about like his time in like memphis and nwa and jim crockett and george and all those places in like the early 80s and stuff but yeah i don't i just maybe i, I maybe don't think he was a fit for the wb system you know yeah I think they're they're bringing him out for the nostalgia pop, but if you're like me and didn't watch anything pre nineteen ninety, you have no appreciation for him, you know. Right. Well, and again, you know, we just when we did um, over the edge, just what was it a month ago, month and a half ago, Sonny was still with the Legion of Doom for that, and then I think that was her last appearance on TV, and then she just never mentioned again. Mm. Yeah. And she went yeah. off to ECW and then WCW. Yeah, but there was one more thing that happened on this episode of Raw, Adam. All right. One of the most infamous things, if we talked before, that Foley going off the cage, Hell in the Cell, at King of the Ring, is a top five wrestling moment, good place, let's say, in the last 25 years. 24 hours later, we get the start of arguably one of the top five bad place moments of the last 25 years in professional wrestling. And King, this is a unique hybrid of boxing and wrestling. Well, WWF is always the innovator, and I'm going to yes. go over the rules in a second, but this is a combination combat. You can wrestle, oh, you can box, you can throw down your opponent. Tell them the rules, JR. Three one-minute rounds, ladies and gentlemen, a point system in effect. The most punches per round will earn you five points. For each takedown you earn, you will receive five points. And for each knockdown you earn, you will receive ten points. The legendary Danny Hodge will be the official for this contest, and a knockdown ends the brawl. No, a knockout. Knockout is knockout. Oh, great music. Dude, brawl for all The following <laughs> is a first round of... Brawl for All contest, making his way to the ring from Buffalo, New York, weighing in at 245 pounds, Marvelous Mark Miracle. 
This can go wild. <laughs> We're not going to watch the whole thing, but we and certainly could. They're going for a oh. takedown, and Blackman taking down Merrill, and that will be a takedown for Blackman, and Blackman breaks the hole. Once a takedown is earned, both men will return to their vertical base. Right. Oh. All right. So oh. we're literally 20 seconds into the first round, and the boring chants have already started. <laughs> Those fans didn't know what good entertainment was. I, I swear, I I might watch all the Brawl for Alls tonight. Okay, so I'm going to say this. Yeah, go watch all the Brawl for Alls, but whether you do it before or whether you do it after, I know a couple of years back uh, they did the um, Dark Side of the Ring about Brawl for All, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, friends of the show, I've guessed it over on their show before, um, between the sheets, Chris Zellner, David Bixenspan, they did a special about all of this, right? Mm-hmm. From beginning to end, from it being mentioned the first time in The Observer, what it was originally supposed to be, like, and then all the way up to the final match of the Brawl for All, which is WrestleMania 15, right? Yeah. It's on the shorter side of a Between the Sheets episode, it's a lean three hours. That's very snackable for them. <laughs> but I give it my highest recommend. It's actually three and a half hours. My apologies. Um, but it gets my highest recommendation to go listen to because it's just fascinating to see a concept doomed from the start get a full berth on TV. Because, like, nowadays... Something gets on TV, you know, WWF and obviously AEW, of course, maybe things might get a little bit more legs underneath them. But, like, if something doesn't work on the first day, you'll never see it again. Yeah, and it'll never be mentioned. There there won't be like, oh, we decided to cancel. It's just, yeah, we're going to sweep that under the rug. Right, but this gets, like, two months worth of TV time, right? Yeah, they're committed Uh, to it. So I say go listen to this episode. I'm probably going to listen to this again tonight. (laughs) Um, just because it's such a fascinating uh, episode, a fascinating piece of history, and a fascinating time capsule of like arguably WWE's hottest you know, time you know, ever, 1998 leading into 1999, and in the middle of it all is the brawl for all. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like I asked you this question when the Dark Side of the Ring aired, but if you had to, I'm not asking for like 12 or 16 people, but if you had to throw out a couple current WWE names, if you were going to do a brawl for all right now, who are you? Uh, who are you putting in there? And they have to be like relatively positioned, kind of like the 98 people were. Like you can't be like, oh, I'm going to be like Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. No. You know, people that are expendable to say. Chad Gable. Okay. Uh, the Creed Brothers. Um, I would throw somebody funny like The Miz in there. <laughs> you know, just to work, like just to work it a bit. You know. Uh huh. Um, but I can't think of anyone else on like main roster or NXT roster that has like a legit background. Yeah. To be able to go out there and do that because they kind of downplay that a bit, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you're not putting your Bobby Lashley out there. You're not putting Brock Lesnar because they just they'd murder him. You know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just curious. Yeah, my money's behind Otis on this one. Again, I think Otis <laughs> would be okay, but I think a Creed brother would get him. You know? Yeah, eh, maybe. Uh, so so uh, let's get into what we uh, watched or want to talk about from this past week, Adam. I'll let you uh, start for a change of pace. Yeah, just mix things up a little bit. Well, you know what, Joe? I'm going to mix things up, and I'm going to talk about NXT. Sure. (laughs) So I don't watch NXT from start to finish, but I do give it a quick fast forward uh, pretty much every week. So an average two-hour episode, you know, I'll get through in about you know, five minutes or whatever. But one of the things that I constantly stop on, and I've mentioned this before, is the Chase U stuff. And I don't know if you kind of follow a little bit along, like on Twitter or whatever, but the gimmick was that Andre Chase, who's the head of Chase U, he was laid out by Braun Breaker, and you haven't seen him in months. So Duke Hudson took over as the head of the university, you know, Duke University. And like originally it was like a power grab because he was constantly trying to, he was like the star scream of Chase U, and I loved it. But he got overwhelmed with grading papers, and he started neglecting his students. And one of his students is Thea Hale. And so Thea Hale went to learn how to get a killer instinct from Gulak and Little Regal. And she had a match against uh, Tiffany Stratton. She ended up losing. It was fine, but it was an interesting storyline. But this past week, uh, they had, after the match, uh, Gulak and Regal ended up taking out Duke Hudson. And Andre Chase came back for the first time in, like, months of being gone. And I swear to God, he got an Orange Cassidy pop. Like, I get it. It's the the Performance Center or whatever. Half of them are, you know, WWE pill people or students or paid people, whatever. I don't care. But for the first time in a long time, I was watching NXT, and I had a little bit of a smile on my face because of the fact that Andre Chase got, like, a massive, massive pop. And Chase U was reformed. So I just enjoyed it. And I was like, this is so weird that it's, like, NXT and I haven't talked about it in months i can't tell you anything else that happened on the show or who was involved because i don't know their names anymore but i thought that was a good bet um yeah i i usually check their stuff out on youtube i don't watch nxt live i don't think anyone does um but that's cool um you know uh andre chase uh is a good dude and it's interesting that they're doing something interesting with that group 
Yeah, it's been a slow build, like, ever since they put Duke Hudson in there. And, like, Duke Hudson's one of those guys that, like, looks like a million bucks, but they tried, like, 27 different gimmicks with him. You he was the poker player for a little I while. I do. And, uh, you know, nothing stuck with him. So they're like, all right, you can just be one of 20 people and chase you. And it was one of those things where he was, you in typical WWE fashion, like, you would see him scheming. Well, like uh, on camera, but uh, behind the back of Andre Chase, but like Mm -hmm. Andre Chase would never find out about it. Um, And then eventually he just became ingratiated with him as one of those things where it's like the bad guy joins the good guys over time, you know, and it's just typical WWE storytelling. But for whatever reason, it worked. I don't think I have any. Yeah, I don't think I have any WWE stuff this week. Yeah, I, hey, I was mixing it up. I went first this week, and I decided to do an NXT thing. Um, you know who I do want to talk about this week? Who's that? Not the name that other people call him by. They put, like, an adjective in front of his name, or maybe, like, a number and an adjective in front of his name. Uh, but I have no respect for him, so I'll just call him Phil. <laughs> um, but I will say that Phil has had a very funny week this week. Okay. Um, so you have the match on collision and during picture in picture and, you know, on my very legal, uh, feed that I watch two hours after the show airs, uh, there is no picture in picture. You get to see what was going on in picture in picture, even though the gif had already been around quite a bit, uh, during the match, uh, and then even in the match on Sunday at the pay-per-view, uh, Phil did the big boot leg drop combo. And the ear cup. And the Did ear cup? Yep. Yeah, it's it's almost as though he sees everyone talking about him online on how he's like Hulk Hogan these days. And he's got his uh, Brutus Beefcake and his <laughs> Brian Knobs and his Jimmy Hart and Dan Housen and FTR and Brody King. Um, it's good to see Phil be so gotten to <laughs> and to really not go for any title in AEW or the Owen Hart Cup, but to go for the title of the most online Reddit man in wrestling. Uh, it's a very prestigious title. Um. See, you call it being gotten to. I say he's seeing what the fans are saying about him and he's embracing it. He's a uh, man of yes. people. Yes, what the fans are saying about it. All the exactly. people that love him. He knows he's he's plugged into the online community. Yes, yes. Uh, then during the match uh, with Kojima, he did the bit in the corner where he gave Kojima a bunch of the lariats, and he said lariat after each one, and then looked in the camera and said, this one is for you, D. Um, he's going to be on commentary on Collision this week uh, for the big Samoan Joe versus Roderick Strong match. And this is not my original idea, because I had multiple people... Um, DM it to me, and I saw people tweet it out loud. Uh, Hopefully they're on a seven-second delay with Punk on commentary, Um, especially talking about how strong Roderick Strong is. And if you know, you know. Um, I feel like that's a reference to Ring of Honor commentary that can't be played in 2023. No! It couldn't have been played at the time! (laughs) Um, But of all the... Of all the sex, I can't say racist, but of all the sexist and homophobic stuff that Phil would say on commentary in Ring of Honor, this is a third bucket of things. Okay. And I'll tell you off air. Fair enough. 
But uh, congratulations to Phil, the most gotten to online Reddit wrestler of the week. <laughs> you showed him, Joe. I'll tell well, you. Listen, I'm sure he'll listen. He didn't listen. If he replied to me, tweet to wish Ed a happy birthday, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. <laughs> you would have given him a fresh body for that? Yeah, I would have given him like the summer. Okay. Would have been hard because that might have melted in the summer, you know? Gotta give him a fresh one in the winter. Not the shitty chocolate that I buy. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll stick with AEW. Obviously, we were both at the DJ compound for Forbidden Door, and I mentioned prior to the pay-per-view that I was really looking forward to Kenny versus Osprey and Danielson versus Omega. Uh, I'm sorry, Danielson versus Okada. Um, obviously, the Kenny Omega versus Will Osprey match that went on earlier, that set like a killer pace that was hard for really anything that came after that to live up to. Uh, I don't give a shit what the safety police says. I absolutely love that Tiger Driver. Uh, we all let out an audible gasp and horror when that happened, and that's that's a cool thing to happen in wrestling. I don't give a shit. Uh, Kenny was fine with it. Osprey was fine with it. Then I'm fine with it. Uh, and then Danielson versus Okada. Um, not knowing what we know now, you know, watching the match, I was like, okay, I think I had said, um, you know, this isn't quite the same pace. You know, I feel like this is maybe a little bit of a letdown for what I was expecting. And then the, the finish of the match with Danielson kind of getting Okada with the unique submission out of nowhere, like it kind of seemed weird. But to find out like the next day or a day or two later that Danielson had a fucking broken arm during the match and he still wrestled for like another 15 minutes is crazy. But overall, like, I really like Forbidden Door. Um, even if it was just those two matches, it would have been, like, well worth it. But, you know, just a strong show overall. Yeah, so um, we'll talk about Forbidden Door, and I'm sure we'll talk about some other stuff that'll lead into some other stuff. But I had this in my notes, right? Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed the show. Obviously not as good as last year's Forbidden Door, but I think that was a tough hill to try to overcome, right? Mm -hmm. Um. I said to the group of people that were there watching and, you know, I've, you know, I don't, I don't come right out and say it, but Kenny's not my guy. I get that Kenny's a really good wrestler, um, maybe one of the best in the world and uh, Will Ospreay I'll never get. And I begrudgingly admit he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be a very good match, but I just have no emotional investment in it. And goddamn, if they didn't get me, right? Yeah. Um, they got me with their work. Um, you know, uh, Osprey bled a bunch, and it's always a good thing where you bleed, and as much of your blood is all over your opponent as it is you. That means you did a good one, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you mentioned the Tiger Driver 91. That has the entire world up in arms, and, uh... With uh, doffing my John Cena cap to virtual pros, I did not have um, the Natural Born Killers theme set up for underneath this, and I'm not going to go on a rant about safety police people, because it's going to come up again maybe a little bit later on. Um, but I saw it, and I freaked out. Everybody in the room freaked out when uh, Kenny got hit with the Tiger Driver 91. And that one move has probably been the most overanalyzed thing in all of professional wrestling in the last five days. Mm -hmm. And I said I had a hot take about it. And, and Fwad Ramsey's, I don't know if you listen to the show, but he's definitely a follower. 
Uh, he tweeted at me the the offices for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I assume are also the AEW offices. So I actually put pen to paper, and I wrote a letter to Kenny Omega and mailed it to those offices to see what will happen. Um, but obviously, you want to know uh, my hot take on it? I do. All right. Um, I thought it was really cool. <laughs> and um, if you watch it, because there's like... There's the there's the TV angle, and then obviously every everyone has cell phone cam, uh, camera angles of it, you know. Mm. And the more different angles I see, uh, the more I could tell how quickly Kenny got his shoulder and arm in there to kind of help break the fall. Now, listen, I'm not saying that this was not a dangerous move. It was a very dangerous move. But any move in professional wrestling has the um, chance to be dangerous and cause a huge problem and a risk to your health. Obviously, there's a very small room for error. You have two professionals at the very tippy top of their game, and they took a huge chance, and I would say that it paid off. Um, I think, you know, I did not know this. Um, I had people let me know that Collision this week is not going to be live. Collision is taped. And they announced at the collision tapings that are going to air this Saturday that Kenny is wrestling the following week on collision, right? Ooh. Right. So he's okay, right? Yeah. He lived. <laughs> yeah, he um, survived. But I think everyone's overreacting. Kenny's yep. a professional. It looked really cool. And y'all need to get over yourself. Now, in the letter, I just said, I thought you taking the Tiger Driver 91 was really cool. Um, <laughs> if anyone could do it safely, I guess it's you. Uh, you know you better than you. Keep up the good work. P.S. Tell Nick and Matt to unblock me on Twitter. <laughs> and I wrote my Twitter handle on the letter. So I will know if I get unblocked by the Young Bucks if Kenny actually got my letter. Uh, you know what? I, I honestly, I hope that happens. I know you'll use that to then go and get blocked again. But in the interim, can you get me unblocked by Jericho? Let's see if this works. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if this works before you enact whatever your master plan is. Right. You know, just maybe uh, like a little bit of a sidebar. Get me unblocked by Jericho, then do whatever you're going to do. Uh, can I just say... Uh, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole when I got home that night, and we talked a little bit, you know, Brett and DJ and me and you were there, and Mr. Tim, nice to see Mr. Tim, congratulations, sir. Um, but we were talking about, like, New Japan figs and stuff like that, and, like, how very little representation, in, especially in the States, there are of, like, Okada or Tanahashi or Ishii or whatever. So I was looking on eBay trying to find, like, figures, and this isn't weekly purchases, but it applies. Uh, and I couldn't really find anything I needed, but I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm a bit of a physical media guy, and I haven't bought a wrestling DVD in forever because everything's streamable. I was like, I'm gonna try to find last year's Forbidden Door. And Joe... Wouldn't you know it, probably due to the very complicated process of splitting profits 50-50, they didn't do a physical release of Forbidden Door last year. Really? If there is, nobody is selling it. Like, it's the most coveted family heirloom that, that, that there is, because there's not a single copy out there other than people on Etsy selling, like, what they obviously made themselves. Yeah, sure. Because I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I don't buy AEW DVDs. I don't buy any wrestling DVDs anymore, but I'll buy, like, Forbidden Door. I'll buy this year's. I'll buy last year's. But apparently they never made, they never did a physical release last year. Oh, that's very interesting. 
Yeah, I'm a little sad. But, yeah, overall, I enjoyed the show, you know? Yeah. What else you got, Joe? Uh, so, it's, it's still with my uh, safety police hard hat on. Oh. Um, you know who else is really cool and does cool things in wrestling? Who's that? Why, Adam, it's Sting! <laughs> uh, hey, I, I don't know who you are to tell Sting what he can or cannot do. Um, if Sting wants to take a 630 through a table off the top rope on the outside, then you let Sting do that. Mm-hmm. If Sting wants to do a dive on to, from the top rope to the outside through two tables, miss one table completely and eat shit, that's up to him to do. He's a grown-ass man. And if you live in a world where you think, one, anyone is telling Sting what to do, and two, Sting is going out there and doing things against his wishes, you are probably sadly mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, Sting has become New Jack in his old age, so <laughs> gradually we've all enjoyed the ride. Now, granted, listen, I don't want anyone in the world of professional wrestling to be hurt or injured you know, obviously that's a loss of income. It's a loss of, you know, quality of life. There's all these sort of things. But it's not my place to say if he wants to do this, then he sh- then it, oh, oh, I say he shouldn't do it. Well, Sting's like, oh, well, Joe says hmm. I shouldn't be a maniac, so I'm going to stop being a maniac. No. Sting wants to do cool shit for my amusement. That's cool. I- I'm taking into consideration as a 64-year-old man. That he knows what he's doing. He knows his body better than I do. I'd like to know Sting's anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't have like, you know, I, I think Sting is a really cool wrestler. But Sting is not my friend. You know, I, I, I have friends in wrestling and I, I, I like to hope that they're okay. But most of them are very smart and take care of themselves and you know, wrestle in a way that isn't going to make people die or whatever. And while we're talking about Sting, you know, it's been a banner week for people dunking on AEW, whether it be the Tiger Driver 91 thing from the pay-per-view, whether it be the Sting dive, or whether it be the Moxley-Ishi match. The Moxley-Ishi match was awesome. And if you watch that match, and as a wrestling fan, whether you're in the wrestling business or not, whether you've been a wrestling fan since... 2013 or 1989 or 1984 don't matter when you started watching wrestling if you watch that match and you came away feeling less than that was a great match then wrestling has passed you by find a new hobby please but joe i read somewhere on the internet that moxley bleeds way too much and he might have a problem yeah his problem is that he's awesome (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if that if it's not your thing, don't watch it. Like, if you're squeamish yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't like the sight of blood. And, like, I don't like death matches that are like, oh, I'm going to stick skewers in somebody's head, like, head or, you know, like, shove the rough end of a light tube into somebody's fucking eye. I'm not going to watch that, but Moxley bleeding all over the place is cool as shit, and I'll watch that all the time. 
Yeah. Are these the same people that in that 26 year or 26 years ago when Terry Funk at 53 years old was bleeding in every single match? Were they crying? I can't believe they're making Terry Funk do this. Terry Funk is a sideshow act. Terry Funk is the worst wrestler in the world. No, because they were either in the locker room with him or they were in the crowd with me chanting for Terry Funk. Now, 26 years later, it's a problem. What about the people in the 80s, in Japan, in Texas, in Florida, when guys like Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody or Carlos Colon or Abdul the Butcher or Dusty Rhodes were having these wild, bloody brawls all over the place? Were they crying and saying, I can't believe they're doing this. Why? They're the worst wrestlers in the world. They're freak shows. They're sideshow acts. No, these are people who are recognized and remembered as some of the greatest wrestlers in our sport because they did this up until 1987 in almost every single one of his world title defenses hulk hogan was bleeding like a stuck pig at madison square garden against the likes of roddy piper don morocco bob orton uh, uh, king kong bundy the the list goes on and on mm-hmm. hulk hogan was the biggest star in the world of professional wrestling And maybe he wasn't your style of wrestler, but blood is part of professional wrestling. Have you bought in to what the World Wrestling Entertainment has made as a sanitized product over the last 15 years that the sight of blood in 2023 makes you curl up and cry like a baby? Then you need to find a new hobby. I hear that they're showing reruns of MASH on Antenna TV. (laughs) <laughs> I hear on Freebie, there's a channel where you could just watch Prices Right all the time. Maybe that's more your speed. Let the people who like cool shit watch wrestling. I'm not saying I'm cool, but I like cool shit. And that's yeah. what happens in wrestling. Cool shit. Like people doing crazy stunts and people bleeding all over the place. It's because, like, there's... I don't want to say it's a generation of people because it's obviously there's a lot of people who are even older than us that have this mentality. But so many people think that the current WWE product is what wrestling is and that like when you see old school style, hard hitting, bloody wrestling, that is some kind of freak show anomaly. But like WWE, like 2023 is like that is what true wrestling is. And it's such a weird take where they're just so pilled of WWE, you know? But that's the thing. I don't think it's that they're WWE pilled. I think that they're pilled that they have a memory that they've created for themselves of what old school wrestling is, and for some reason it's not this. But if they go back and watch actual old school wrestling, it is this. Yeah. No, I I get it. Like, but like I said, most of the people that have that feeling will point to WWE and its lack of blood and be like, see this, this is what you need to aspire to. <sighs> anyway. And there's also the bad faith stuff, speaking of Moxley versus Ishii, where the people were sharing the after like a long exchange of forearms to each other's ears that went on like for five minutes. They had that double clothesline where they both collapsed and they're sharing the gif of just that clothesline. And the clothesline was like it wasn't like a super hard hitting clothesline because it was the culmination of them beating the shit out of each other for 15 minutes. So people were like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Like not 
like recognizing the fact that they've just been shoot hitting each other in the ear for the last five minutes. Uh, you, you can't win with them. You know, if, if somebody doesn't appreciate, like, let's say you're Mr. Tim and you don't appreciate Tamahiro Ishii, um, like, there's no changing that. Like, there's nothing you could do about it. Poor Tim taking shrapnel here tonight. Ah, I know. Well, uh, he's the one that, like, says he doesn't get or appreciate or like Tamahiro Ishii. And I'll say this, that the clip that they were showing, I thought was cool as hell. It showed, like, fatigue, and, like, I like it told me what had happened beforehand. And then watching the match itself in context, it was still, like, super cool. Like, yeah. I don't know what people want from professional wrestling. These dopes who come out and criticize and say, this isn't the way it would have been 30 years ago, or in my 30 years of wrestling, or oh, since I've been watching since 1989, nothing like this would have ever happened. Tell me what you want, and I will show it to you that happened in AEW in the last four years. And you are a hypocrite. You are saying these things to try to bait people into interacting with you because, I don't know, you like to be publicly shamed? I think that's the only thing that it can be. Because for every person that comes and washes your balls for the great idea that you have, you have three more people coming saying what an utter dolt you are. So, listen, we don't kink shame on this network or podcast, but I think there's easier ways to go about public humiliation <laughs> than making yourself look like a dumb dumb. Eh, well, maybe that's what they're into, I guess. Maybe that's also what they're into. I, yeah. again, I don't know. I don't want to judge. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else? Do you? Because I got one more thing to wrap things up with. No, nah, go ahead. We had a lot of overlap. All right. So, uh, you know, obviously the big, you know, one of the big storylines, angle points, whatever, on Dynamite this past week is the Claudio and Eddie Kingston stuff. And John Moxley's in the middle of it. They have the backstage segment, and Moxley says, what is this all over? A bunch of Chikara BS, or no one cares about Chikara BS, right? Yeah. And that, you know, energized a bunch of people. And listen, uh, mostly a lot of people publicly, um, you know, it were, whether it be fans, were like, oh, you know, it's great, I miss Chikara. People that were in Chikara, uh, you know, listen, I was in Chikara for, if I do my Gazintas here, like 11 years, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I really enjoyed my time and the friendships and everything else that I cultivated there. Um, there wouldn't be this podcast if I didn't get a chance to do Chikara. And yeah, there's a lot of bad and you could choose to remember the bad and you could choose to remember the good and you could paint all of Chikara with one brush because of one person and then you know maybe you could say there was well that one person harbored a lot of abusers and that's true um but you know let's let's focus on the good and not the bad um you know and it's just funny because um Moxley did wrestle in Chikara like twice mm -hmm. and one of them was against Hydra <laughs> wow yeah. how did he how did moxley at all like overcome that that disadvantage that he had with strength there he didn't win okay he i was gonna win. say <laughs> um i remember when I, I like he was just a guy like i'm sure moxley got paid nothing if nothing next to nothing for that um match in chikara as many people did and that's between you and chikara or the person who says that chikara isn't coming back, but he says that if a story needs to be told, it can come back. 
hmm. which feels like more of a threat than anything. Anywho, um, but when he was pitching who this John Moxley guy was, he's like, I don't know, he's like a cowboy or something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And that's not what Moxley was, but it was very early in Moxley's career. Like, he had been wrestling less than two years at that point. Um, and I don't think Moxley knew what Moxley was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad that Moxley is what Moxley is in 2023. Yeah, no, 100%. And how funny is it? Like, obviously, you're going to be biased on this, and I am as well, but not nearly as much as you. But how crazy is it that Eddie Kingston, nowhere to be found on AEW television for months and months and months, partially because of the ROH thing, partially because of the hernia, but he comes back and within two weeks, he's one of the, if not the most compelling thing on that show. Um, yeah. And listen, I recently blocked um, like words like ratings and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but I did have somebody send to me like the literal quarter hour breakdowns um, from Dynamite this past week. And the highest uh, quarter hours was the uh, backstage promo with Eddie Kingston and the uh, Orange Cassidy match. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, like strap him up with the Ring of Honor title. And then let them go after Max. Um, again, it's interesting that you have someone who, as you mentioned, has not been on TV for months and then just comes back within the last two weeks is literally one of the hottest acts in the company. And he's going to Japan this weekend. And then he's coming back to the States for two weeks. And then he's going back to Japan for six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's just the way that things go. You know, I don't know if it was me. You know, listen, they just announced that Arthur Ashe is September or September 20th. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eddie come Eddie wins the G1 as we all know he's going to. Of course. He He comes back. He challenges MJF for the title. They wrestle it Arthur Ashe on September 20th and Eddie wins the belt. And again, wrestling is easy if you don't overthink it. That sounds pretty easy to me. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when Eddie Kingston wins the AEW world title, I'm just going to go ahead and delete my Twitter. All right. I, I don't want to read uh, like what anti-Eddie people have to say about him. I just won't be able to handle it. I'll be punching walls. Like, <laughs> So I just need to not see those shitty takes. No, I've I've cultivated quite the timeline for myself where I don't see those bad faith people that say like, oh, Eddie's Eddie's stone cold, but he's fat. Oh, Eddie Kingston's a phony. Eddie Kingston's this. I don't see like I don't see if I see somebody tweet something other than Eddie Kingston and heart emojis. They're just immediately blocked. <laughs> yeah, I got to work on that then. Yeah. All right. Hey, Joe, did you yeah. know there's a premium live event this weekend? There is. It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kobe Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the tribal chief? He's gone. <laughs> Let's find out. Does Joe know the car? Oh, a little bit of a little bit of an update there, huh? These things slip through the cracks. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well done, Dwicky. It was so seamless. I barely noticed it. I love it. And thank you to Stefani for the suggestion. 
Oh, okay, cool. Thank you, Stefani. Well, Joe, this weekend, the World Wrestling Entertainment is putting on Money in the Bank. And according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling news and information, there are seven announced matches, none of which are on the pre-show. Joe, do you know the card? Maybe. All right. If you know the con- the combatants in the Money in the Bank matches, I know you're cheating because there's no way that anybody can know like who's in these things without being either a WWE fan, which you're not, or cheating. Well, I'm a WWE fan, just not as much as an AEW fan, an Indies fan, and everything else fan. Yeah. So let's let's get the easy matches out of the way, right? Okay. Uh, we got the Usos versus Roman and Solo. Yep, Bloodline Civil War tag team match. Mm-hmm. Feels like we're trying to get blood from a turnip, but you do you. Uh, we have, uh, for the Intercontinental title, Gunter taking on Matt Riddle. Yep. Uh, we have Cody Rhodes taking on Dominic Mysterio. That's three. We have, for the Ladies Tag Team Championship, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler mm-hmm. taking on Raquel Gonzalez and Liv Morgan. That's correct. The returning Liv Morgan. Okay, so right. Okay, so that's where I wanted to get to was because I thought Liv Morgan was hurt, which is why they had stripped her and Raquel of the titles. And then I'm like, well, they're just having a rematch here. Did I miss something? Yeah, I guess. And I'm not 100% sure, but I think Liv got hurt like maybe two months ago. And they they did the strip, and they they crowned uh, new champions. I I don't know who it was. Uh, Oh, I mean, obviously Ronda and Shayna. But, like, now she's back. That's all I know. Okay. She wasn't out long, so she probably wasn't, like, it wasn't a big-time injury. Maybe a concussion. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Now, we have Seth versus Finn Balor for the fake title, right? Yeah, and from what I hear, that's actually had a pretty good buildup. I've seen none of it, but... Okay. Now, for the men and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to name everybody that's in those matches. But if you tell me how many are in the match, I'm going to give it a guess. Uh, Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That seems very weird. Yeah, both say seven. Both say seven. Okay. Zelina Vega's in it, because I know she won the qualifying match in Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, okay, starting with the women. Okay. Trish Stratus is in it, because she's been, like, featured on TV a bunch. She is. Bailey is in it, because she's been featured on TV a bunch. Respectfully, she is. Zoe Stark has been featured uh, on TV a bunch, so I think she's in it. She is. And... So that's four, right? Correct. And I know Becky Lynch is in it, and I th- and Becky's winning it. Becky's my pick to win it. Okay. So you're so, missing one. Missing, I thought you said there was seven people in it. There is. I said Zelina, Becky, you said Zoe, Zoe Stark. Bailey, Trish. Ba- Trish, five. that's five. And you said there was seven people. Oh, so, wait a minute. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Oh, there's six in the women's and there's seven in the men's. That's what. Okay. Okay. My bad. You fucked me up there. I have no idea who the sixth person is. Uh, Io Shirai, Scott. Okay. Why does the women's have one less? Well, we're going to get into that. 
Because uh-huh. I know for the men's, okay? Yeah. So um, this one I, I might get, okay? I know Ricochet's in it, and I know uh, Nakamura's in it, because they won qualifying matches on Monday Night Raw. Yep. So is Damian Priest. Correct. I know Santos Escobar won a qualifying match on SmackDown. Yep. I know Logan Paul just said, I'm in the match. That's why there's seven. Because they they did six qualifiers, and then Logan Paul just showed up on TV and said, I'm in the match, too. That's correct. Saying he's the best thing to come out of Cleveland. Okay. But none of that matters. Because... This place is where is this taking place? This event it's taking place not it's not taking place in the United States. Ah, uh, the O2 Arena, London, England. So it's taking place in the UK. Yep. Well, this Saturday they're going to change it from the UK to the LA K, <laughs> LA Knight. LA Knight is winning Money in the Bank. He's going in to cash in. He, listen, they put two briefcases up there he's gonna cash them both in he's gonna beat seth he's gonna beat roman he's gonna reunify the belts to make everything <laughs> that triple h did a month ago at the blood oil money sh- show mean nothing <laughs> and it don't, I, like i could have sat here and i could it didn't even matter who all these other people in the thing were and i think i missed someone and it don't matter who the other person is you want you want to tell me who the other person is uh butch butch again okay. <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> poor butch <laughs> it's, it was like Bra- oh, no Braun Strowman's hurt. That's right. Okay, I was gonna say it's like Braun Strowman busy that day. Does he have another booking? <laughs> He's on uh, control your narrative. Yeah, but LA Knight's winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh-huh. I know they floated a fake story out there that Triple H uh, doesn't want Logan Paul to win, and then Logan Paul on his YouTube show already has the Money in the Bank briefcase in the background. I think all these are red herrings to try to throw off us, uh, us off the scent, and it's going to be L.A. Knight, victorious, as always, Money in the Bank, biggest baby face in the company. Let me talk to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, Ricochet is not winning. Nope. Shins- Shinsuke Nakamura, not winning. Nope. Santos Escobar, not winning. Butch, don't even show up. Yeah, Butch, like, good for him. Glad he got a payday. Uh, but that leaves UK Knight, yeah, Damian Priest, and Logan Paul. I think any one of those three could win it. I'm not as sold as you are that it's going to be LA Knight. I think that's just uh, might be built up in your head a little bit that the the world of the WWE sees things the way you do. Uh, I just I, I don't know. I think I think out of those three, LA Knight's the least likely to win it. We we will see when we rejoin here next week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm rooting for you. I like when your silly little bits end up taking over like your personality. You know, not a bit. <laughs> it started as one. It's true. It's a lifestyle now. <laughs> I worked myself into a shoot. I got no problem in admitting that. Yeah. And you say that Becky's winning the women's? Yeah. Like, who are the women's champions right now? Um, Rhea's one, right? Rhea is and uh, Asuka. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Becky's obviously... I mean, Bailey's also... I was just trying to think of who the most deserving, but I'm just so sick of seeing the same three women 
four women going after the belts nonstop. You know, they they did a tease on Raw this week um, with Rhea and Becky backstage, and I could see that being positioned as a marquee SummerSlam match mm-hmm. with Becky cashing in the title like a baby face and saying like, oh, I'm going to call my shot and I want Rhea at SummerSlam and whatever it is. And then Rhea just smashes Becky like in like less than a minute, you know, because yeah. um, they've been really building Rhea up strong. And I think her beating Becky would be pretty big, especially at SummerSlam. I think that'd be a really cool match. Um, is it like Becky still kind of sort of feuding with um, Zoe Stark and Trish kind of? I think so. What I would like, it's a shame that both of the women's champions right now are heels because I can kind of make a case for Trish Stratus winning the Money in the Bank because I think that would be compelling TV mm-hmm. of having her just as the the gloating heel with her heater of Zoe Stark just threatening to cash in whenever she wants, you know? Yeah. But, you know, it's tough when you have Rhea and Asuka as both, like, the existing heel champions, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not watching it. <laughs> Let me know how it turns out. Uh, it's on it because it's in the UK. I think it's on at, like, 3 in the afternoon our time, so I will not be watching it live. But um, I will be watching it after Collision this week. All right. Yeah. I'll follow along on, like, Twitter, see some gifts. Yes. Good luck uh, to your boy. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, so uh, we we should have talked about it in, like, you know, from this past week. Did you watch uh, Dark Side of the Ring this week? I did. And, Joe, you know how I say there are episodes of Dark Side that I really like and yes. episodes that are paint-by-numbers? Yes. This is a paint-by-numbers episode. Oh, really? This is an episode where it's like, hey, did you know that back in the 80s, people made a lot of money and spent it like beyond their means, thinking it would never go away? And did you know that wrestling is a tough business for families and sometimes you take drugs and sometimes the drugs like get the best of you? Not to diminish like drug abuse, but it's just it was very much a like here's another tragic tale of 80s wrestlers and there was nothing special about it. The only thing that I thought stood out from it is how like he was a role model for like people that were like oh there's representation this is the first black wrestler being presented as like a top top guy and then vince jr basically jobbing him out or pushing him down the card that was interesting but the rest of it was just like you know hey people did drugs and it ruined their career i think we've heard that story with different people plugged in at least once a season over the four years this show's been on Okay, I, I get what you're saying, and, and I did see most of the online discussion about this one was very positive that they really liked this episode. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle uh, in regards to this. Um, I always like in a dark, uh, dark Side of the Ring episode where I learned something I did not know before, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they had access to JYD's nephew, and they had like a bunch of like... Uh, pictures of JYD as a kid. They had a bunch of archival footage of like JYD going to the grade school. Um, they had DiBiase and Jake and Duggan and guys that were with him in Mid-South on that meteoric rise. Um, they had the pictures of JYD being DiBiase's best man in his wedding, which I did not know, you know, but then like that's one of those things where Mean Gene was the best man in Iron Sheik's wedding, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Um, I love like finding out those little things, and I think like Roddy Piper was the best man in one of Flair's weddings, and you know, like to see those guys, their on-screen rivals or whatever it is, and they're really best friends behind the scenes back in the eighties. Um, you only have forty-four minutes, and there's only so much that you could tell. Um, so I think the show itself and the people they interviewed painted JYD in a very negative light for going to WWF because he was the first one to leave Mid-South to go to WWF where all the other guys that they talked to, Coco Beware, Jake, Duggett, DiBiase, they all left Mid-South as well. Yeah. So if if Junker Dog is bad for leaving, so are you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, JYD huge over super mega baby face, like sell like they did. I don't think they stress enough that when they did that hair cream angle with the Freebirds, that JYD sold out the Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Seventy thousand people came to see JYD get revenge on Michael PSAs. Right? Yeah. Um. Huge, but one of the biggest stars. But then you, you get the information in there about the racial stuff that was going on as well. Um, you know, obviously there's the story that Teddy Long tells, and they didn't get Bill Watts on the record, but he said that it was complete fantasy. And you know, Jr. is like, the only color the cowboy liked was green, which you know, there's, there's a lot more proof out there that kind of disputes that fact, right? Hmm. Um, I think they glossed over too quickly of all the folks that they brought in to try to replace the junkyard dog in immediate succession that all washed out. Um, you know, uh, George Wells and Tony Atlas and the snowman and this one and that one and this one. Right. And then you get the narrative that he comes into WWF and he's jobbed out. That's not what happens. Right. Um, as someone who I mentioned them last week and I'll mention them here again, who is listening and watching, uh, our vantage point, the OVP podcast every Friday, um, they release, uh, their watch along of an episode of championship wrestling. They started back in 1982. They're about to hit December of 1985 this week. Um, and from the time that JYD came in, he's like the number two baby face right behind Hogan. When JYD comes in, it's literally Hogan's number one, but Hogan's not on TV or doing the house shows even because he has Japanese commitments. Sergeant Slaughter's still the number one babyface. JYD comes in as a surprise to team with Sergeant Slaughter, and then a month later, Slaughter's gone, and JYD's the number two babyface. And JYD don't lose on TV. JYD is feuding with Terry Funk. Terry Funk, who is, like, about to feud with Hulk Hogan, and for the first, like, two years, it's more or less like whoever's going to feud with Hogan next is feuding with JYD. So if Hulk Hogan's number one, and that's a big number one in 1985, 1986, JYD, you know, being number two, that's not a bad spot to be in, right? Yeah, they paint the picture that because he wasn't world champion, he was a failure. But, you know, like, and I don't agree with that, obviously, but, you know, yeah. like, I, I bought that LJN carrying case that has like, like five wrestlers on it. And like, 
he's one of them. You know, yeah. it's like him, Big John Stud, Piper, Hogan, and like Macho or something like that. And those are the only guys on there. And they even made the comment that he made like six figures per quarter based on his his action figures. You know, so at, at least for uh, at least initially, like he was a top guy. You don't have to be the world champion. And it wasn't an era where people dropped the belt every other month, you know? Right. It was a completely different era. And from 84 until he leaves WWF in late 80, 88, he's, like, positioned near the top. Now, granted, by the time it hits late 87, early 88, Warrior's in, and he's being groomed for that spot. Macho Man babyface turns, so now Macho Man's going up to that spot. So just through osmosis jyd is slowly falling down the card but like all of 84 all of 85 all of 86 he's the number two baby face making you know six figures off just his dolls yeah and they don't you know they're like well this was terrible he should have stayed in mid-south when everybody else was leaving mid-south immediately after jyd <laughs> Yeah, it's just he was the first one. <laughs> like Vince Jr. picked up a stack of index cards with phone yeah. numbers, and JYD's at the top. Now, the one thing that I'm, I, I teased it last week, okay? Um, and they didn't mention it on the show, but it was very interesting where they're talking about JYD's death. And it's a very tragic death. Of course, he's in the throes of drugs, and there's the story where he gets in the, the, the nephew gets in the car, and there's just puke all over the car, just from his body just giving up on him from, um, you know, doing drugs, right? Mm. And they show the picture of JYD holding the baby. And in that picture, JYD is wearing an ECW t shirt. Okay, I didn't notice that. Okay, because that weekend, JYD did like a legend segment at whatever the ECW pay-per-view was that weekend. When JYD comes out to do the legend segment, it's just like, oh, we're in New Orleans, so let's bring out some of the greatest names from New Orleans, Louisiana wrestling, and JYD was one of the guys. JYD comes out, and he's got like a bandage on his head, and like he's all fucked up, right? Mm -hmm. Because backstage... He got into an altercation with New Jack over drug money, and New Jack beat the shit out of him. Hmm. That's a huge story. Yeah. And they don't even mention it. They show a picture of him wearing an ECW t-shirt that he probably got at that pay-per-view. The picture that was probably like the last known photo taken of JYD, and they don't mention and that it's story. And it's not like if you're a loyal watcher of Dark Side of the Ring, and there's lots of people who love that show who've never watched a lick of wrestling, it's not like you have to reestablish who New Jack is because they already did an entire right. episode on him, you know? <sighs> that, that, know. It, that does seem odd. I also, yeah. I will say that, like, my biggest oh shit moment, and, like, not in a good way, like, uh, was when his nephew was at JYD's grave and he's showing the picture and then they pan over and they're like, and here's his daughter's grave. And I'm like, oh shit, because obviously if you didn't know and I didn't, like that came out of left field, you know, because you knew she was still young. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that, that sucked. Yeah. But uh, I, I will say I didn't know, like JYD did look like a billion dollars when he was in Mid-South, like... Because I he just looked, know he looked like, like the coolest motherfucker around. Yeah, one thousand percent. Like I, my memories of JYD is him being a piece, like a big fat piece of shit in WCW. You know, yeah. <laughs> like some of the later WWF stuff. But uh, just seeing him in action, just 
built like a brick shit house with the awesome sunglasses and like you know that the little bit of the fro like he looked so damn cool yeah and like i said that was wrestling that we did not get in my area that was wrestling that happened before i was watching wrestling um but that's stuff that i've watched you know in the last like 10 years and it's great stuff man yeah it's a shame it didn't exist but if it did ah, yes son of watch bitch. some of it <laughs> Um, I'm going to put that on the list. 82 Mid-South, uh-huh. 90 Memphis, Sid ECW. All right. I might have, uh, you know what, uh, once we're done with this WCW stuff, I might put a poll up on the Patreon of what uh, my assignments to you are going to be next. Let the listeners vote on it. Okay. All right. All right. I feel like a lot of them are going to spite me and pick the oldest thing possible, but we'll see. <laughs> Uh, so next week uh, is Adrian Adonis, right? Yeah. Uh, not going to uh, tip my hand or spoil or go with what um, the angle I think they're going to go with. But we didn't mention it, um, but they did a bit on Rampage this past week with uh, QTV and the acclaimed where the lady in QTV, whose name I don't know. It's Harley Cameron. Show some damn respect, Joe. All right, I knew you would know. <laughs> uh, she comes out and she puts the move. She tries to put the moves on uh, Bowens. Yep. And Bowens is like, listen, lady, I don't know if you know my deal or see what's going on with my gear, but uh, I'm gay. And he then gets a positive he's gay chant in professional wrestling in 2023. And that was a really super cool moment. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a moment where we as wrestling fans can all pretend that all of wrestling and all of wrestling fans in 2023 is this way, uh, even if it was just for a minute and a half or two minutes. Um, but obviously, as that clip is making the rounds, then the clip is making the rounds of the Adrian Adonis gimmick change in World Wrestling Entertainment in late 85 into early 86, where he goes to being the adorable one. And just to see how different wrestling was 1986 versus 2023. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, but we'll watch it. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be yeah. interesting. How about oh, that? Absolutely. All right. Let's get into some phone calls. Yeah, let's do it. Hey there, Adam, Joe, and the other JB here. So, um, we had Forbidden North this weekend. Super fun. Um, got a lot of fun music in there from the Death Rider thing to Final Countdown, of course. I forgot about so that. Super fun to get those. So, uh, this week I was kind of, um, running around my head on, um, who to ask it about matches for. Um, so earlier this week, actually today, I went through my, uh, spreadsheet of matches that, you know, I had, come across um, on lists and such that I've compiled to look at and I went to go uh, watch Eddie Guerrero versus Otani um, from Starcade 95 and I did not realize this when I put it on but it was also um, the Starcade where there was the um, championship cup of world wrestling what, whatever the conglomeration of words are uh, between New Japan and WCW. And so it was just kind of wild to see that you know, how different such an event um, is 30 years on, comparing it to Forbidden Door, um, just in the way in which 
um, different wrestlers are perceived in. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Eddie Guerrero having that babyface uh, backstage segments, you know, not seeing him as the Eddie that um, people around my age really know him as. Um, so, yeah, it was very interesting to see. Um, and I was trying to wrap my head around who to ask for recommendations for, but then who pops up but Sting? Um, 30 years on, he's still doing the, still doing it. So I'll ask y'all for some recommendations about the stinger. First, before we get going, I just want to say other JB, uh, that was a heinous attack on hook and you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) Um, but can we just talk real quick about. Danielson coming out to final countdown. Oh and how, my god! How ridiculous yes. that was. Like, yes. uh, like I obviously I wasn't watching Ring of Honor, but I've seen some matches here and there, and I obviously know that he came out to it. So I just have I appreciate how much he appreciated having that music. You know, you saw the expression on his face, and he even said in the presser afterwards that like he was having a shitty day, like something in his personal life. And when he heard that music, like you could you could tell he had a genuine giant smile on his face coming out. Uh and just anytime you have the crowd like singing along to something that's not Judas, uh I, I loved it. I hate the fact that these aging, like completely irrelevant musicians that are in their 70s or 80s or whatever are charging so much for the rights to the music and i get somebody else owns it now whatever i don't know the details but you would rather not have your music played and stick to your guns of having an absurdly high per usage amount than maybe coming down on it and being like hey here's a whole new generation of people that are heal that will hear my song on a weekly basis and appreciate it makes no sense to me uh yeah you're not wrong um but people are stubborn and people think what they have is gold and they think people are willing to pay for it but that's how you become forgotten yeah like i'd rather have a hundred percent of nothing than 20 percent of something that's yeah the, exactly you know? um but yeah i guess like con said that like it costs six figures to get that song used once and they can have it in the replays and like the if there is a physical release which i don't think there will be but like, we ain't hearing that again on, like, Dynamite, which is sad. Right. And I also posed the question to you in the room, bigger AEW original music pop, Danielson with Final Countdown or CM Punk during the Dog Collar match with AFI? Uh, I still think it might be the AFI song, but let us know. It Was it t- was it, was it Tim or someone else who said that it was it, the AFI one doesn't count because they didn't have the metal barricades for people to poorly clap along in time uh it might have been dj okay but i know brett agreed with me that the the cm punks was the better one Um, i mean we're we're comparing an a plus and an a you know two phil pilled people thought phil's thing was the best i'm very (laughs) surprised by this Uh, i guess you're right yeah i do acknowledge that danielson's the best wrestler in the world and I haven't said that about CM Punk since his first run, or his, like his 434-day run. The only person who says that about CM Punk is CM Punk. Everybody says that about Brian Danielson. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. supposed to be recommending Sting matches, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I love Sting. Sting is awesome. Um, I could be here all day naming Sting matches. Uh, Sting is a low-key awesome wrestler. Uh, 
who doesn't get the credit for the number of awesome matches that he that he had, you know, um, I, I could, you know, I'm going to try to limit myself to three, yes, right? Please. Yeah. Uh, you've got Falls Count anywhere on the Gulf Coast, uh, Beach Blast 92 against Cactus Jack. You have um, Super Brawl 91, Sting and Luger taking on the Steiner Brothers. Okay. And I think, um, wasn't there like a crazy one in AEW that I can mention? Um, how about this? I'll say from whatever the pay-per-view was, Sting and Darby Allen against Double J and Jay Lethal. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the cinematic match in the warehouse against Team Taz. Oh, that sucked. <laughs> um, but like Sting is awesome, man. Like go look up any like Sting versus Vader match and they're all awesome. Um, Sting versus Flair matches. Um, Sting just meshed with so many people in that time frame. The the the, the time limit draw um, match with Flair from '88 at the Clash of Champions. Um, and I know I said I'd limit myself to three, but I'm at like five now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sting's awesome, man. Like Sting don't have a ton of bad matches, you know? Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks, other JB. Yes, and everyone's uh, call quality should match that of other JBs. Y'all are slipping. <laughs> Next call. Hey, guys, it's Ben Pasco, and wow, what a week in wrestling. You got Forbidden Door, Fight Forever's out. I'm sure someone got canceled on Twitter and wasn't paying attention, which leads me to my question this week. Would you rather eat out of your butt or poop out of your mouth? Thank you. I'll uh, hang up and listen. Bye. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Eat out of your butt. So if I'm eating out of my butt, am I also pooping out of my butt? Is that that's what I think? So so I I mean then I'm like I don't care what's going on. It's that's just a all purpose take in get rid of section. I'd be fine with that, you know. Right, because you know obviously with this either or situation would mean well if I pick this then isn't the other thing true? But obviously one would think if you're eating in your mouth, you're pooping out of your mouth. If you're eating out of your butt, you're pooping out of your butt. Yeah, and I don't have taste buds in my butt, so... Exactly. You know, yeah, I think that's an easy one. I'll just take care of all that business. I'll import and export down there. Exactly. Coming from a master importer-exporter <laughs> in his own right. <laughs> this is true. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I think that's an easy one, but I do like those questions. That's a... Thank you. Thank you for the call, Ben. Next call. Hey, guys. It's DeWiki. Um With John Moxley saying... On Dynamite, well, asking Eddie on Dynamite, quote, who cares about some Chikara BS? What is the weirdest character that could possibly end up on Dynamite from Chikara? And why is it Sharecropper? I'll talk to you guys later. All right, Joe, you're going to have to give me the cliff note version of what this sharecropper is. The sharecropper was a guy whose mask was an ear of corn. Okay. And he would put fake tanner on to give himself a farmer's tan to wrestle. Of course. And he was like the the sidekick, if you will, or like the number two with Larry Sweeney in like 05, 06, 07. All right. I don't know why I asked, but that makes complete sense. There you go. 
So are we? Well, we're getting the Chikara invasion, right? We're getting Ultramantis Black coming in soon. Maybe uh, whoever we can get under those masks, you know, <laughs> you know for the colony. I don't know. The weirdest gimmick in Chikara um, would probably have to be anyone, and it casts a wide net because there's more than one. Um, anybody who time travel was part of their thing. But that being said, I know he's under impact contract, but I just think whole cloth, no explanation, mixed martial Archie is the way to go. One hundred percent. You know, just just do the entire story. No, don't even do the storyline. Just have him show up one week as mixed martial Archie, yep. then have Archibald Pack. And then have that completely different guy, you know, mysterious and handsome stranger show up, uh, and just don't tell anybody, you know, what's going on. I like just, it. All right, just redo it. It's been long enough that people have forgotten what it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like it. Thanks. Right, thank you. Yes. Thank you for your call. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. All right. So we'll do my stupid weekly question, and uh, I noticed that we're asking what Moxley should watch from Chikara, from that Chikara BS. So, I think that Eddie should bring Mox to tape, a DVD, a streaming thing, you know, from Jerry, and say, hey, Mox, I was champion in Chikara. I'm going to have you watch one of my title defenses. Claudio, why don't you come over here, too, and you can see you know, that I know how to work. And he'll play... Eddie will play himself defeating Sarah Del Rey. He'll just keep staring over Claudio. It's like, you got a problem with this? Huh? Oh, oh, it looks like I got a pretty bad on that one. Oh, is, is that bother you at all, Claudio? And just works the mind game that way. I think that'd be very interesting. All right, so question. Um, I couldn't watch NXT Live on Tuesday. Yeah, I still do. I know. So uh, Wednesday, I just kind of fast forwarded for who I like. All right, let me watch these ones. Let me watch what I like here. Um, I've given Dallas a chance. I don't care. I've given Baron Corbin, what, five, seven years? I don't care. I like Carmelo. Don't care about Baron. So, like, I got through the two hours in probably 30 minutes. However, I won't be watching uh, Money in the Bank live. I'll be watching it uh, later on at night, but I will probably watch the whole thing. I, I want to let the story build. I want to spend my disbelief. I want to enjoy it as if I'm watching it live. Uh, but then if the collision is taped anyway, so I'll probably fast forward to whatever I want to see. So my question is, if you're not watching it live, how do you decide what you're going to watch and what you're not going to watch? Is it people that have already earned a bit of faith and love and enjoyment from you? Is it kind of like Brett and DJ over We Need Wrestling? We see case match reviews and they're like, oh, I should watch that match. It's getting high rankings. Um, is it kind of a mix of it? Is it just when you're your mood for the day and if you're in crappy mood you skip most of the show if you're in a good mood you might watch the whole thing what is your pro- process for quickly watching a show when it is taped gentlemen I hope you have a good 4th of July weekend barbecues cookouts whatever if anyone has any gluten free buns gluten free pasta salad let me know invite me over talk to you later Um, I think that we touched on this earlier that I watch so very little wrestling anymore other than dynamite where I'm not fast forwarding through 80% of it, you know, like raw is I'm at the point where 
like I have to hear amazing things about a segment for me to give it two seconds of my attention. Like I fast forward through all of it. SmackDown, maybe a Roman promo, like that Bloodline Usos thing from last week. But like very little of any of their product do I give it any attention. And Rampage has been that way recently where if it's not like, hey, here's Orange Cassidy or here's like an Eddie Kingston promo or maybe just, you know, whatever, the couple guys, the girls that I like. Uh, Rampage is getting a fast forward job from me a lot lately too. So uh, I've been doing a lot of fast forwarding with wrestling. I just completely stopped recording Impact. You know, like I'm not missing anything there. But Joe, I know you're a big YouTube guy. Yeah, so I am a big YouTube guy. I do my best to avoid spoilers, of course, when it comes to taped stuff. Um, I will um, watch it off the DVR. Wink. And I'll kind of fast forward through things, and I'll be like, like this week, um, whatever your thoughts on Rampage is, I'm absolutely watching Claudio versus Commander, right? Absolutely. That match is going to be awesome. But I'm going to skim through it, and I'm going to see some bits and drips and drabs and everything else like that. Um, and obviously, Kevin is mostly talking about taped stuff and or not having the time to watch stuff. But I even mentioned before, my plan on Saturday, because I do have shit going on, is I'm going to watch collision first hopefully if i can coordinate watching collision live as it airs and then watch money in the bank afterwards but if i'm you know things get done early and i happen to be home i'll like all right i want to see la Knight win the briefcase (laughs) yeah i'll just zip to that match you know i i don't have a care about a lot of the other matches on there like you know i know it's hot and it's a thing or whatever but i don't have a zero care for cody versus dominic um I think Matt Riddle is a bad person, so I'm sure Gunther will beat the shit out of him. But, like, I don't know. I, It's like a work and beat the shit out of him. It's not a real beating the shit out of him, you know? Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I think Riddle can defend himself against a, a, a shoot beat the shit out of, which is sad. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely I, – I do skim through stuff. You know, it's AEW. It's WWE. I don't watch Impact, unfortunately, unless I see something big come up. And, like, it's just stuff that hasn't been interesting me much lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and a show being taped doesn't really sway whether or not I want to watch it or not. You know, like I, I don't think like collision being taped really makes me want to see it any less. You know, unless somebody said, "Oh, it was a dog shit show," and somehow I got, you know, I heard about that, then maybe I'd be like, "Okay, I'm less likely to watch it in its entirety." But being taped doesn't really matter to me much. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your call. Um, I don't know. Glad you're trying to watch your weight with gluten stuff, but I tell you, nothing's better than white bread. Yum a dum dum. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Anyway, uh, it's pink button time, everyone. It's Young Ed. Uh, hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Hey, Joe. I said I was going to call in and tell you the story because uh, it's a lot to type out in a tweet, so this is easier for me. <laughs> uh, today is my birthday, uh, which is no big deal. It's, I'm, I'm, um, <laughs> 19. <laughs> oh, yeah, no big deal at all. But it reminded me when you put tag John Thorne in that, uh, to tell me happy birthday, that John Thorne is part of my funniest, uh, birthday story of all time. Pat and Jonah had a party for me one year and like they got, uh, a bunch of canes, uh, like chicken. And it was like delicious, and like uh, Dan, Doctor Dan, and Dom, and a bunch of oh, like everybody is there. Alberti, everybody's there. The past house are in a real good time. 
and somebody says, like, ask a wrestling question, right? And I answered it. And Jonah says, see, that's why we could never do the show without Ed, because that is the only one that knows about wrestling. And seated right beside me during this is John Thorne, who on my birthday says, no, you guys can do the show without him. Uh, it doesn't even leave with that. Then he proceeds to talk about how the show would be better, and actually, my social media presence is really off-putting, and it probably does damage to the show, and uh, I love that. I think that's very funny. Since seated right next to me on my birthday, he told my co-host how they should fire me from my own show. <laughs> okay, bye! I would expect nothing less from Thorne. It does sound on brand to him, yeah. Yes. I, I'll say this. Would you rather that or him, him have slapped you, which used to be Ed and John Thorne's relationship, that any time that Thorne would see Ed, he would slap him? So, like, mental abuse or physical abuse. Right. Poison. That's right. All right. All right, so Ed calls back again. Of course he does. Uh, hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, I'm going to call back one more time, probably when I'm driving it twice. So there will be a third call, Adam. But I just want to let uh, everybody knows this, that um, uh, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay did a Tiger Driver 91 uh, in, in their match, which I'm sure, Adam, you know it is. Uh, classic, you know, Japanese move. Of course. And um, it's made people's brains melt uh, to the point where I saw a tweet where someone uh, said that stuff like that makes them worried about the future of labor solidarity. Um, <laughs> and labor solidarity is uh, is part of like solidarity unionism where you don't necessarily have a government or uh, union reps like workers unite and uh, they do it and they formulate strategies and uh and they all do this on their own, right? And a wrestling move uh, made someone uh, worry about the future of that because they did a wrestling move. Mm-hmm. We've reached peak dis- discourse. Uh, I'm very happy. This has been a great week. I'm very happy. Okay, bye. <laughs> Ed always is a big fan of seeing terrible, terrible takes on Twitter and just being like so pleased that they're there and it justifies like his usage of Twitter. You know, he's like, I'll never quit this app. Yeah, Ed, Ed certainly uh, has a knack for finding the absolute dregs and worst of Twitter. Yeah, he has an opposite of your timeline as far as curation goes. He's managed to filter out all the good takes, so he can just expose himself with the bad ones. I think he has alerts set for people being stupid on Twitter. Yeah, 100%. All right, Ed does call back one more time, as promised. Hey, Jill and Adam, it's Ed. Um, 5 a.m., I'm on uh, my way to Chicago. Uh, home of One Bill Phil. Who? Uh, I left early because I want to stop and get breakfast. Um, so, I'm really excited, uh, but this is like my first concert in like a big stadium. Like, I grew up going like, we're poor, yeah, but like, send dumb little like punk shows in front of like 200 people. I've never really been to a giant uh show like this before well i guess like 14 years ago i saw aerosmith 
Uh, but I don't remember any of it. Uh, we we partied really hard before it because, uh, like, you know, there was the I I don't know. My mom's favorite band, uh, so I just went stalling with people. It was fun, I guess. But uh, you guys ever been to like a big giant show at an arena like this? I I wanted to go see Foo Fighters and Rise Against a couple years ago. Nobody wanted to go with me, so that would have been my first one. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I know I'll love it because it's twice and it's Nayeon, Jaeyoung, Momo, Sana, Gio, Mina, Taeyong, Dayoon, and Chewie. And like, that'll be great. Uh, but I don't know that I. It could be very big. <laughs> I don't know what to expect. So yeah, you ever been to like a big uh, concert in a big place like this? <laughs> It'd be fucking wild. CM Punk sold this place out twice. Tell me <laughs> when he's telling lies. K by E. How many times did CM Punk sell that place out? Um, well, it was the tarped-off version of the building that uh, Ed sang, but sure, he did it two times. Oh, twice? Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, biggest concert you've ever been to, I think, was the crux of that question. Yeah, like, have you ever gone to a big show like this at a big building? Um, I, I don't, I've never been to like a stadium show cause I've said many times before, I'm not a huge like music guy. So like 90% of my shows are either at the, whatever the current name is of the FU arena in Wilkes-Barre yeah. or like Montage Mountain. Um, but sometime around like 2002 or 2003, I did security for Rolling Rock Town Fair, which is like a festival, you know, in Latrobe. Okay, yeah, but that was like a you know it was kind of like a like Ed mentioned Warp Tour, kind of like that, but like it was like a like a like I think Corn headlined it, and like it was bands like that. So I worked security for that, but I basically like watched the show. So because that was just a giant Woodstock like field, that was probably my largest attended show I've ever been to. But it wasn't like a big venue, so to speak. So the biggest venue that I saw anyone at was. Um, seeing Pearl Jam at Madison Square Garden. Okay. Um, I don't, re- I don't even remember what year it would have been, but I, I've seen. So that's like the biggest indoor, but I've seen Pearl Jam and Foo Fighters at outdoor shows that are much bigger. Like I saw Foo Fighters at Giant Stadium. I saw um, Pearl Jam like at three different huge outdoor festivals. Like. Way more people than were at uh, Madison Square Garden, which Madison Square Garden was sold out. But then, like, even seeing, like, technically just the sheer number of people, like, I saw Bush and the Toadies at Harvey's Lake, and there was, like, tens of thousands of people there in, like, 1996 or whatever it was, right? Yeah. Um, it just so happens that, like, most of the concerts that I, like, like and I saw Foo Fighters when they came here the one time to the Wilkes-Barre Arena. It was like a stopover date that they added at the last minute. Um, whatever the small theater in Reading is, my wife and I saw Ringo Starr and the All-Star Band there. Okay. Y- you know, but those are like, eh, it's 8,000 people. It's, you know, 7,000 people, whatever it is. Um, it just so happens, like I said, a lot of the folks that I liked that I saw were at like big outdoor festivals for them. Gotcha. Yeah, I can't tell you the last time I was at it. It's probably been for me for the last concert well over 10 years and it was probably at montage and i don't remember what it was but like it's been forever i do wish i kept tickets though because i saw tons of bands like when i was in college like i feel like i was going to montage or the wachovia every other weekend 
but I don't remember who I saw. You know? I do now. See, I do keep my tickets. Yeah, no, that's why I mention it. You know, because I have, you know, I have my ECW tickets and stuff, but I have like, um, as I'm looking through them here, um, bunch of Raws, bunch of ECWs. Who's this? World Wrestling. That's the TV taping. And that then now the other problem is like I just by you know having them doesn't mean that they're like in good condition you know, mm-hmm. um, like I have my Pearl Jam at like whatever th- you know whatever outdoor theater I went to go see them I have like I went to go see Vanilla Ice at Tinks, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so like I have stubs like that but you know like it's an old it's it was printed on a piece of glossy paper twenty five years ago so a lot of them are very faded. Yeah, yeah, that's another problem with that. Well, uh, my first, what was your first concert? Do you remember the Toadies uh, Bush concert at Bush. Uh, Harvey's Lake? I saw Bush open up for somebody at the Wachovia. Like that might have been my last concert, and even that was probably like eight nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think they opened for like Shine Down or something like that. Oh yeah, they that's were- pretty funny. Um, but you know, they were great live. My first show was Ozzy Osbourne at Montage Mountain. Yeah. He's on Retirement Sucks Tour in '94. So I just remember that. That was my my first concert ever as at like 14. You know? Yeah, there's there's thoughts of maybe going to see uh Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie at Montage this uh September, but we'll see when we get there. Yeah. You're bringing the kid, aren't you? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. thought. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, Ed. Ed, I've joked before. I hope you enjoy twice. He seems to be enjoying it in the couple clips I've seen on Twitter. So yes. be safe. Get home safely. We have uh, a big contract that you need to live up to. So I need you to get home, get back to the studio. Exactly. But is that it for calls? Yeah, that's it for calls. Um, you know, obviously we have our T Public store. Nothing's on sale right now. But, you know, if there's a sale, keep an eye out. Um, you can make purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, that's all around whether the show post here over at at oddswrestling.com. Uh, when you click on links to various merchants on this site and make a purchase, this can result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay partner network. Yeah. And things um, that also – oh, go, I'm sorry. I was going to say no, things ahead, that are, aren't associated with eBay affiliate network either are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, and Hayabusa. Sorry I stepped over whatever you were going to say. I was going to plug the Patreon. Go for it. Uh, Patreon.com slash at odds wrestling. Um, I know we just had the interview go up this week with myself and Mantis. We'll have the movies and old wrestling reviews going up here in the near future when there's weekends when they're not pay-per-views. Um, like I said, we have the interview with Young Ed uh, coming up for July, and I'll have a better idea on who or what August can be after the LVAC show uh, on the 9th of July at the Mahoning Drive-In. Matches are starting to get announced for that. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing folks there. I know they had tweeted out to bring your dog to the show, but I say if you have a cat, bring your cat too. Um, <laughs> I jokingly said no cats, trying to be funny, and uh, some people may have taken taken offense. Um, I would bring my cat with me, but I don't think he would travel well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so those shows are coming up. Um, trying to think what else. Social media stuff, whatever. You follow us, you don't follow us. Tweet the show. Tell people about the show. Um, I do appreciate the word of mouth that the show is and has been getting. Um, shared by friends and listeners and acquaintances alike. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me of how many people listen to this show and who listens to this show when they tell me, like, oh, I listened to the show this week, and I'm like, you listen? All right, well, I got something better to do, but I guess, you know, this, <laughs> is, this is on that list, which makes me feel good, you know? Yeah. I don't um, know what that is, but now I'm kind of intrigued, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, you know, we could talk and we talk. Um, I don't know if it would mean anything to you, but it'll mean, you know, whatever. Um, and also, IWTV, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, use the promo code at odds. Uh, new subscribers get nothing other than a little message to Jerry to tell uh, them, to tell him that you came to him from us. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy about going bowling every Thursday before we do the show is that I get a chance to see Jerry at the bowling alley and uh, catch up on what's going on. They got a big announcement coming up uh, this week on July 4th. Um, it's going to be a state of the IWTV title uh, address with the new board of directors, person in charge, governing body, whatever. And uh, all I could say is my friend. That's it. Oh, okay. I thought that was my friend, comma, something nope. else. Da, 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 da. Nope. Okay. Uh, I know nothing about that state the the state of the IWTV guide or not IWTV uh, uh, title, but uh, I hope it's like, hey, we're gonna put it on somebody that will defend it and actually be like a household indie name again, like it was a couple years ago. Uh, let's just say those things are going to be addressed. All right, great. I remember when like it was like the top top indie people had that belt, and it's like. I know who the champ is now, but that's not through any kind of credit to him, just through people bitching about him. That'll all be addressed. Excellent. All right. Anything else, Joe? Nope. It's time for your favorite part of the show. Excellent. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> All right, Joe, I have a relatively big week. I'm just going to do a couple quick ones and I'm going to throw it over to you in case you have something. But earlier today, and thank you to the couple people who reached out to me to give me the Iggy. Uh, but there was a pre-order for the Target-exclusive Samoa Joseph figure. I pre-ordered that, um, did the old pre-order that, add another item to the cart, get the free shipping, submit the order, then cancel the extra item. Works every time. And also, speaking of Target-exclusives, uh, I found in the wild, because I aspire to one day be the Michael Jordan of Johnny Lawrence figures, but I bought a Cobra Kai 
Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, Johnny Lawrence as a Black Ranger figure, which is actually oh. a Target exclusive. Uh, it's him as a Black Ranger, and I looked at the box. It actually says Black Boar Ranger, which is something that I don't know what that is, but if it's got the boar in it, it's got to be cool. Ooh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, from the original Power Ranger, or not the original, one of, because I know the original Power Rangers were all lions. Yeah. There was a Power Rangers, and I'm sure Ed is listening to this on his way home from Twice and is freaking out because he knows what iteration of Power Rangers this was. But I do recall either the second or third one that got released in America. They were all different animals, and the Black Ranger animal Zord was a boar. Okay. So, yeah, that's, like, I'm not, like, I watched the original Power Rangers, like, the original U.S. incarnation when I was a kid, but that was it. Uh, This was more because it was, like, hey, it's a, I love Cobra Kai, I love Sensei Lawrence, and here's a unique mashup figure that's exclusive to Target. It was, like, a perfect storm of, like, fig, fig uh, confluence of stuff, you know? So I grabbed that. What about you, Joe? Did you get anything? Uh, Well, I mentioned the full story on... uh, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark this week, um, but around a bunch of home repairs this week, I had to buy a new flush master for my toilet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> Listen, this is you know perils of being an old man homeowner. What are we gonna tell you? I'm an old man homeowner, and I'm mentioning like toys and fun stuff. I didn't buy nothing for me this week. I'm having listen. I'm having a yard sale. I put a bunch of shit out on the uh, the lawn, and it's either getting bought or it's not coming back in the house. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing I got, and I saw this earlier in this week, uh, and I was like super excited, like way more excited for a toy than I should be. But I was like, I cannot wait for this to go up for pre order. And luckily, I think the next day it did. But it is the third in the series of mashups uh, of Transformers and G.I. Joe. And this one is Soundwave, where he transforms into the Dreadnought Jeep. And it comes with Zartan and Lady Zartan. Do you see this, Joe? No. You didn't? I did not see these. Look at my Twitter. It's like two tweets down. I think it's the only thing I tweeted about yesterday. First, I have to unblock you. (laughs) Just goes to show how much you pay attention to my very limited tweeting, Joe. So. Well, Adam, you may may have been aware I've been soft banned this week uh-huh. um, because I tweeted all those birthday wishes out to Ed. And <laughs> then I got a three day soft ban where I'm not allowed to like or see certain tweets. I had people that were tagging me and stuff and replying to me that I was not seeing. So. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, stop acting up on Twitter. Uh, I saw the back. See, I saw the backpacks. No, yeah, yeah, a little bit further, and a little bit further. I saw. I don't know why you you click. There it is. Oh, this. Yeah. How awesome is that? All right, that is pretty awesome. <laughs> and not only obviously do I collect Soundwave figures, but I I had that Dreadnought. Uh, I think it's called like the Thunder Machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dread, uh, Dreadnought Thunder Machine. Uh, so that was one of the figures that are the G.I. Joes that I had back in the day. And I have to ask you this question. So obviously, massive fan of G1 Transformers. I'm a fan of G.I. Joe. Not as much as Transformers, but it was like my number two favorite toy as a kid. The previous mashups that they did in this series, these Hasbros, they did a Megatron transforms into a Hiss Tank. I have that. 
Okay. I obviously will have this sound wave transforms into the Dreadnought Jeep. The other one that exists is Bumblebee, who transforms into just a generic green G.I. Joe Jeep. Nope. Now, I originally said that as well. I was like, A, Bumblebee sucks. B, it's just a forgettable Jeep. It's like nothing fancy. And it's the baby faces. Right. But I love Transformers and I love G.I. Joe, and I have two out of the three of them that exist. I can make the argument not to get this. How? Because the Thunder Machine with the G.I. Joes came with the Dreadnought exclusive figure Thrasher, and this does not. Thrasher is the one who drove this, not uh, Zorana or Zartan. Yeah, but you have to understand, I give zero fucks about the accuracy of that. I care about the left side of the box. I'm a Soundwave guy, dude. All right. You give me a Soundwave where he he's on that purple iconic packaging with that logo, I'm all over it. Like, And I've even made rules in the past that Soundwave needs to transform into a cassette deck for me to count it, mm-hmm. but I'm breaking those rules for this thing. And I do I, like in this fourth picture that I have up here, Yeah, I don't know if you could tell right here, uh, Zartan is wearing the mask that comes in his backpack for his yeah. Master of Disguise thing. Uh, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I am super pumped for that. I, honestly, I I might buy a set, like, because there are, these are general re- releases. Like, they went up on Hasbro Pulse, and now Entertainment Earth, and eventually Amazon. Um, like, the Bumblebee one I've seen on clearance, so I might wait for a clearance on that. But I might buy a second one of that Soundwave, just so I can open one. That's I say, I I say no, only because Bumblebee sucks. He does. And, but I get where you want to have uh, completionists. Yeah, and I mean, if it's only like, all right, they've done three figures over the co- like the first one came out like a year and a half ago, so it's like, okay, it's three figures over the course of a year and a half. I can keep up with this pace, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, what else you get, Joe? Well, literally right before we started recording, um, I had asked Adam for some assistance here. Um, I briefly told the story on one of the other shows in the last week or two, uh, and I told Adam off air, but I'll tell the story here. Uh, So my little nephew uh, is super into wrestling right now, but he's only into the toys. Uh, He likes watching clips of wrestling. He likes watching like Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior like um, like uh, compilations, highlight things, you know, right? Yeah. Uh, So at my dad's house is all my old wrestling figures, which is just like a hodgepodge of like super played with, maybe broken, maybe clicking uh, Hasbro's Jack's. Um, uh, Titan Tron stuff like that, you know, and he likes playing with them, but he likes Hulk Hogan, he likes Ultimate Warrior, he knows who The Rock is, he knows Undertaker, whatever, 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 right? <laughs> so we're there Sunday, we're playing, me and him are playing, and then all of a sudden in the middle of playing, he just stops dead in his tracks and looks at me and says, Uncle Joe, I need the big Ultimate Warrior. Because right now he only has the two Hasbro Ultimate Warriors, the Jumper and the White one, right? Yeah, and they're, oh. he doesn't understand the scale. They're just tiny. Why aren't they the same size as the rest of my figures? Right, because he has an elite Hogan. He's got an elite Rock. He picked up an elite Macho, right? So he says, I need the big Ultimate Warrior, right? And I say, oh, like the what, like uh, like the Hulk Hogan you have? And he says, yeah. And he goes, I don't know if I could wait till Christmas, though. <laughs> and it just crushed me, you know? Yeah. So I asked Adam, I'm like tooling around, whatever, and off ringside, 
I picked up the uh, Survivor Series 2022 uh, Elite Ultimate Warrior with the white gear, which does look like the one that he likes the most, which I think is Warrior 2 from the Hasbro. Yeah, it's Warrior 2, which is actually the one that I had as a kid. It's the white trunks with like yeah. the, the multicolor like, logos sprinkled all over it. Right, and that's what this Elite is. Uh, so I bought it. Shipped it to his house. I paid the extra dollar fifty so it would go there uh, priority. So hopefully he gets it before I see him again on Sunday. You know, yeah, that's all. Like I, I like like I mentioned this with my nephew. Like that's how he got into wrestling is with wrestling figures. And it's uh, say what you want about Warrior Hogan. It's just awesome that he's a fan of like the toys. You know, yeah, you know, and this could be you know done in a you know a, a month. This could be done in a year, but he likes it now. And, you know, it makes me makes me feel good to see, like, a kid playing wrestling toys, you know? Yeah, 100%. All right. Um, my last thing or two here, um, Joe, I came really close. I came really close to getting that Azrael Funko Pop this week. The one that you talked about last week? Yeah, the one that was going to – they only made 761 of and that I was prepared to spend – folding money on yeah uh there was one of them on ebay that was an auction and i decided at the very last minute to just use the results of that auction as like a, a fact-finding mission you know as just uh, to compile some information and then maybe not jump on the first auction um it did end relatively inexpensive compared to a lot of the buy it nows it was cheaper by about 150 bucks so uh if anything i might use that auction result as something to go and talk to one of the people that have a buy it now up and see what i can do there but i was really close so much so that i actually wrote in my notes that i bought it because i had my mindset that i was going to bid on the auction but i decided not to at the last minute gotcha but that doesn't mean I didn't buy something Asriel related this week, Joe. Did you buy that statue? I didn't buy the statue because statues are not action figures, and I don't need to buy those. All right. But this is something that you're still about a year away from talking about on previewing the past. But Okay. Um, for Night's End, there was a retail, a comic retail poster that they made uh like right at the beginning of the story it's a, a joe quesada asriel picture um and it's actually a poster that i had up and i'm gonna shoot you a picture i'm sure you've seen this a million times and you know because it's awesome but this is a poster i had in my room as a kid and obviously like any poster it's in a kid's room it's taped up you know it's taken down it's got thumbtack holes in it all that stuff so it got thrown out you know, years later. And when I first bought my house and I set up the comic room, I tracked down one of those on eBay that was like still sealed in the roll, like the original roll with the label. I bought it and I said to myself, I'm going to frame this and it's going to be awesome because I'm going to have a mint one up on the wall in my toy room or in my comic room. So I did that and I got it and it's awesome and it's up on my wall and I'm looking at it now, Joe. But then a couple months later, I said to myself, but I just had a sealed, like a mint in roll one, Joe. And I was like, I can't believe that I I ripped open the original packaging to put it up on the wall. I should have bought like a, a beater or something just to post it on the wall. So I set an eBay alert like five years ago. 
And Joe, just this week, a couple days ago, actually, I managed to see not only did one go up on eBay still sealed in the original roll, uh, but it was like a reasonable buy it now price. I clicked watch and like a couple hours later, the guy sent me an offer for like 20 percent off. So I was like, dude, I was going to pay full price, but if you're going to offer me 20 percent off, I'll take it. Awesome. So I just shot you the picture. Of just it's just that the original DC role, you know. Yeah, I did. I did that a couple times for Todd when we were doing previewing the past, and we'd mm. come upon like a poster or something, especially some of those original Vertigo ones, you know. Yeah. And he would say, "Oh, I had that one on my wall, and it got all banged up and whatever it was." And I would just make the note for myself. I'm like, "Oh, okay, we'll uh, pick that up for Todd." But that's pretty cool. Um, listen, as much as we rag on you for uh, Azrael, and I could just not finish that sentence, uh, <laughs> that is a really cool uh, poster. Yeah, like, I really love that piece. Like, that's obviously as notorious of a gimmick that is. Like, that, if you're thinking about just the over-the-top, batshit crazy, just 90s-fication of Batman, like, that is the most, (laughs) that's the most exemplary version of it, is that picture, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But that's actually the last thing I bought, other than the fact that I officially paid off my Camaro this week. Oh, look at you! Yeah, so one car down, one to go. But uh, <laughs> I finally got that off the books. Look forward to getting that title mailed to me so that the bank doesn't owe it anymore, own it anymore. But but yeah, that's it for me. That's all awesome. my purchases. So last thing I want to mention is, and you know, this might be the only time we mention it. Maybe we'll come back. Who knows? Um, obviously, Mattel hot off the heels of the failure of the Nitro ring. Mm-hmm. Um, on Daunted, just about two days ago, they rolled out like the Jurassic Park thing. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Okay, so I just, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to look. I go, but I want to bring it up on the show just for like a comparison's sake. It's been up for two days. They have some tiered goals, 5,000, 6,000, 8,000, 10,000. Um, now, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at this or otherwise, but I'm going to click on the link and I'm going to see where they are two days in. Yeah, I, I did take a quick look at it, but my I know nothing about, uh, not only do I know nothing about Jurassic Park, I don't know anything about these figures or the uniqueness of anything that's being offered. All I know is that the discourse on like Facebook and Twitter and stuff has been that uh, everything other than the gates are things that have like already been available and mm-hmm. are like at a much more reasonable price, you know? And I guess the Hammond collection is like the their equivalent of like the Ultimates or like a Star Wars Black series or a Marvel Legend or whatever, you know? Right. And it's so, two hundred and fifty bucks for the base. Yeah. So let's see where they are. And just to see, you know, where Jurassic Park yeah. fans versus wrestling fans come in, you know? Yep. Uh, so it's only seventeen percent backed. 865 uh, out of 5,000. Yeah, and that's two days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't think this is going to be something that, like, was going to hit uh, after, you know, a day where it was going to meet its goal or exceed past its goal. But I just want to, I'm going to write that number down. I want to see if the Jurassic Park fan base is much stronger <laughs> or loyal than the WCW fan base. Ah. <laughs> uh. Again, I'm biased. I wanted the Nitro stage. That Jurassic Park thing isn't getting made. I think everybody that wanted it has already pledged for it, and it's not going to have. Say what you want about like Broski or Myers, like 
cheerleading crowdfunding stuff. I don't think there is like a prominent voice in the Jurassic Park community that's going to be like, yeah, you need to get this or you're going to be a, a shitty Jurassic Park collector. You know, like I don't think that there's any type of uh, uh, peer pressure or motivation or anything like that. I think anybody that wanted it has already pledged it. All right. Well, let's let's revisit this in a week and see. All right. Fair enough. But all that's right. all I got. And that's all I got as well. Uh, so, hey, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 248 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.